So my name is Lena. I'm one of the co-hosts for Queer Q Podcast. And I'm Nick, and I'm the other co-host. And we are joined today with Tucky Williams. Hi, how are you? Doing great. Yeah, we're very excited. Yeah, we're very excited. Yeah, I love what you guys are doing. I watched a couple of your episodes. It was good stuff. I'm glad to be here. Really happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, especially because with what we're doing with the Queer Q, we really want to be empowering and uplifting all queer artists, um, queer voices in media, film, and all the art realm. Yeah. Hey, it sounds good to me. So we definitely wanted to talk about Dagger Kiss, and we wanted to talk about what you've been working on, a lot of your process for how you create, and just what it's like being a queer creator, trying to get content out there, um, you know, in this very flooded marketplace. So, um, you know, we can go ahead and just dive in. Let's dive in. Yeah, let's dive in. Let's do it. I am very curious to hear about what your process is like. So, you know, when you're trying to get a film made as an actor, writer, director, producer, you know, you wear all of these hats and you do independent filmmaking. So what is your process like? Well, my process is just whatever is inspiring me at the moment. Like I have to have to really, really want to do something. There are people who like, they're lucky to find something that they love to do. Those are the lucky can do that for a living, then there are people who are lucky enough to find something that they have to do. So I wait until I find something that I absolutely have to have to have to do. So it's been that way with every project that I've done. Although, you know, the first one was Girl Girl Scene, the series, and then it was Dagger Kiss, and then it was the Girl Girl Scene movie. And each one of those three things was like a radically different thing. So Girl Girl Scene, I just I had to make a show about my life that I wasn't seeing anywhere else. Uh, it was just, I needed to see like gay girls being awesomely gay and having fun. And, you know, I was thinking about the other day that the first season of that I think is probably like the best lesbian series that's out there ever uh, in terms of what life is like and uh and and how bad it can be how rough it can be in the realism I think I think it's I did a really good job with that so yeah I'm giving myself a pat on the back but uh there just hasn't been much to just explore you know the lesbian world and what's really like and then flip that around that I do the opposite of real life so I have like uh, lesbians in the forest and magical stuff but you know I had to do that right because I wanted to have all these girls in pretty dresses with magical weapons and and fighting and sword fighting and stuff because that's what I grew up loving I grew up watching Neverending Story and She-Ra and all these fantasy sword and sorcery movies so then I was like I had to do that right and then lastly for the girl girl scene movie uh I, I just got super into the 80s of course like we all were uh 80s is like the thing and um I I, I was obsessed with Brat Pack films and I decided to make my own Brat Pack film but it was a girl girl scene movie but it's for some reason set in the 80s <laughs> and, uh, and it's it's my ode to uh John Hughes and all, all things all things 80s no I love it yeah <laughs> Honestly, because, um, you know, jumping off of that, you know, we've really been lacking in a lot of that, like, coming of age, you know, romantic comedy type of content for, you know, queer youth, you know, and a lot of it is very indie, where you have to really search for it, you know, what you're looking for, and it wasn't really until, you know, the mainstream, you know, Love, Simon coming out that we really yeah. had something like that for, you know, that type of jar in his film, you know, we see it throughout, but we don't get a lot of that for other types of identities within the queer community. And so it's something that has been sorely lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So that's why I wanted to get it out there. And I mean, uh, the, 
the girl girl scene you know the first season of that was very uh very much centered on you know a teenage girl uh you know not even coming out she wasn't coming out she wasn't like conflicted about being gay that was something i wanted to present because it was very close to my experience was it she just kind of realized she was gay. i mean i knew i was gay since i was like four right but she instead of having this coming out process and all this inner turmoil and coming out to her parents and stuff she just kind of like one day was like oh i'm attracted to women i'm gay that's it that's it. i'm like I'm, like I'm not even worried about it anymore and uh then you know that was a that was a thing because i felt like all these you know even love simon which i love of course but it's always about this horrible trauma of coming out and i felt like it was really important to depict that like sometimes the trauma is just from people reacting like sometimes you know who you are and you're comfortable with who you are but the trauma comes from other people's reaction and not from your own uh, it comes outward and not from within and your fears it's it's people uh that, that's the, that's the trauma see i i love that because i love that viewpoint on coming out because we really do in mainstream society we really do put a lot of focus on the coming out process and that a lot of that emphasis has to be on the person coming out you know it's them having to you know show themselves to the world to people that they trust and love and it's always about them having to make that decision and you know dealing with the repercussions when the focus really should be on the people who are receiving that information you know because there shouldn't be any type of issue with somebody speaking their truth of their identity but that's where the emphasis is put on instead of the people who are reacting to it so that's really important to you know understand and put that out there that it doesn't have to be a traumatic experience right totally and some people know who they are and they know they're gay and they don't have this uh horrible angst about it you know for me the only angst came when i saw you know people's faces when they would find out about me you know and uh but I, it was never a secret you know it was like when did so many people ask me when did you come out when did you come out i never came out <laughs> i just <laughs> there's this weird fixation in media about like the coming out story the coming out trope and which is why uh we really do appreciate when uh, you saying that and with girl girl scene and even with dagger kiss about just showing uh representation just showing queerness showing queer women loving each other and just existing on the screen not having to go with this whole entire angsty broody lesbian uh kind of trope that's been showing in media and mainstream media about coming out yeah. and dealing with like the pining the overdrawn pining like we saw with Ammonite or the world to come you know i i truly appreciate just having um you as a queer creator making queer content just about simply existing and loving woman right and i it's been important to me that with i mean except for with you know the teenager realizing she's gay and stuff is that none of my stuff at, at no point do we ever sit down and say oh by the way this is a gay thing yeah. like even when and especially when it came to science fiction fantasy stuff it was just that that was the norm that was sort of like the uh it, that was just the rules of that world everybody was just gay like nobody ever says that's weird or there's just there's just no straight people it's just all all gay people right and then it's, it's a science fiction so nobody ever says anything and then in the girl girl scene movie it, it never comes up they're just living their lives and yeah i that was sort of like one of the things i i've wanted to i mean i've been doing this for 10 years mm -hmm. so for the past 10 years i've been trying to get that message out there is that hey this isn't a brand new story for a lot of us mm -hmm. and uh most of us have been living this story for at least a couple of years now and so let's tell it from the people who've been living it for a while and then also the people who are new to it they actually like it a lot too so like a lot of girls 
you know, it's been 10 years. So a lot of girls started watching the show when they were younger and then they were like, oh, thank you. I watched this when I was little and it helped me a lot. And of course that's really kind of a difficult thing to hear. Like I grew up loving you. That's hard mm-hmm. to hear <laughs> you know, yeah. that, you're, that you're that age, right? Yeah. I grew up loving you. Oh no, it's like not a compliment, late, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it is a compliment and it isn't. But, um, but I, I feel in a way that that was more therapeutic to have like um, these girls, you know, they're growing up for them to be able to see, oh, this is just what life is like instead of this, oh, let's depict how traumatic it's going to be for you to come out. Instead, they were just able to see this thing and it's like, oh, I'm going to be happy. I'm not going to go around thinking of, about being gay all the time. I'm just going to like be dating lots of chicks and be super happy. And yeah. like I said, there was never this emphasis on, oh, this is how it is. And oh, poor me, poor me. You know, <laughs> like, it's yeah. the total opposite of that. And yeah, and like while those uh while those narratives are still important about very, um, sh- very. they're still very important, but it's like it's also really important just to at least uh, today just show, um you know younger queers who are just coming to their sexuality about it's okay to just be who you are and you know you don't have to be a certain you know you don't have to follow like this certain path. It's just you simply existing is beautiful in itself. Yeah, yeah totally. I think that's one of the great things about the content that you're putting out there is that, you know, what we see for a lot of queer representation is that there's a queer narrative, you know, um, that it's designated as a queer film. And what we really like about you doing Dacker Kiss and Dacker Kiss Enchanted Forest is, you know, that these are just queer characters in this type of narrative. You know, it's like, it's always great to have labels um, when you appreciate the labels, you know, everybody has their own personal belief on if they want something to be labeled a specific way, or if they, you know, just want to exist within, you know, this world or a genre. And so, you know, that's what we loved about seeing these fantasy stories being told that, you know, nobody is out saying, you know, look, you know, I'm queer, you know, but they're just living their lives through this narrative. And it's the type of representation that people can watch and really enjoy without it being like this big, you know, statement, you know, it's just normalizing queer representation in genres. Um, And so something that- Thank you. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And I, I think what we're really interested in learning, you know, because you mentioned that you grew up with fantasy films and, you know, we really wanted to know what like really drew you to creating a lot of content in the fantasy genre. What were a lot of those films growing up that really influenced you? I, I mentioned The Neverending Story and uh, He-Man and She-Ra, <laughs> that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like uh, Red Sonia was a big one. Oh man, I wanted mm-hmm. to be her. Yeah. I uh, So just all that kind of magical stuff. Um, and then it kind of, you know, it was like for, I used to go, there used to be a video store. You guys don't know about this. There used to be video stores. And so you could go to a store and it was like this big deal. And there were pictures of all the movies you could see, right? And I was little and I would look up at all the videos and I couldn't even reach all of them. But I would look for like, I'd run in the sci-fi fantasy section and I looked for the one with the best picture. It looked like it was gonna be the best movie. And uh, that was like the most exciting thing in the world. And there's so much joy in that. So I'd come home and watch something about barbarians and magic. And uh, you know, you never know, you never knew what you're getting. And um, God, you can see the smile on my face just thinking about it. But uh, it's brought so much joy to my life that, you know, when you're in a place where you're making stuff, I think you want to give that joy to someone else. 
and and like doing that like the, like the joy i'm feeling right now just thinking about it like i, w- I want someone else to have that and to be able to experience it queer fantasy was something that always i was drawn to because the fantasy world the magic realm it was also showing in a way these kids who are outsiders and that's something i felt a lot and i think that's something that a lot of queer um people feel a lot is feeling um being an outsider in the world and that you know fantasy worlds are just able to tap into that and they're just also they're just so creative and fun you know yeah (laughs) right and you just want to have magical powers too you just do you just do (laughs) and I can when I make the movie that's that's another reason to make it so that I can have magical powers yeah (laughs) and then speaking of magical powers you wear so many hats when you're on set and I think that's that is uh, amazing to me um, because I've done production as well and the only ma- the only different hats I've done was being editor and director um, okay but like, that's a lot <laughs> but still uh, what you have is a lot you're for Dag or Kiss you're a producer actor director and writer um, kind of talk me through that process of working all oh. those roles Oh, wow. Great question. Okay. So it's, I think what suffers the most is the acting. That's the first one to go, (laughs) but I think, uh, you know, you just got to write it. Okay. You write it and then you get your team together, which it's, it's been this really great process and I have the best team of people now, but it's taken a while to get to that place. So I have a place where I have people I know and trust and love, and I I know who to work with. And so then you write it, you cast it pre-production, you know, you don't have, when you're on your, you don't have a script supervisor and you don't have a line producer. And uh, this is really film techie stuff and nobody knows, but I mean, basically there's a lot of stuff that needs to get done. And there are people in most movies, there are people who help the director get that little stuff done. And in independent films, it just isn't, I mean, maybe, (laughs) maybe you get lucky and there's some, someone who can help you out, but no, basically there's a script supervisor and line producer just don't exist. So you're, you're not just directing when it's a, an independent film you're doing. <laughs> a lot of stuff people just don't even think about. But I mean, um, like even, even like my mom on the last movie, she did props and like extras wrangling. And it, I was sort of like, like, oh, you know, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Like, I'll be able to handle it. And it's like, oh, even those are such huge jobs that I would, <sighs> I forgot how intense even that is. So you're just kind of do as much as you can. Um, so I write it, I cast it, uh, production, that's kind of a, a stressful time for me. So I just kind of try to take it easy and rest and with, um, well, with the different productions, it's different, but I try to shoot for a short period of time and then take a break and kind of recuperate and then shoot again and take a break. So on girl, girl scene, we did, uh, four or five weekends that were, uh, like two weeks apart <laughs> so we'd fly all the cast in for to shoot for a weekend and then they'd fly back out and we'd fly different members of cast in the next weekend and so it, we'd get these little breaks during the week to kind of you know uh, to kind of well, collect ourselves and get ourselves back together so I think the biggest thing is I don't push myself I do push myself really hard but I give myself in order to do everything you have to give yourself like a lot of breaks so I give myself you know a week <laughs> to kind of reorganize uh, everything but you know you have to be the person who's there when everything goes wrong you know so I was this is my bed back here I don't know if you can see it I know one day uh gosh on one film I I just I got up and you know I got a message from the location we were going to use and and it was just like a regular person she it was her house and um she's like hey can we do this a different day (laughs) not a good day for me I'm like oh wait you don't understand (laughs) 
I have 20 people who are going to show up at your house. Like, you don't understand. Like, I have people in from other parts of the country who are flying back to New York City tomorrow night. We need your house today. So, you know, and then, you know, I'm back here in bed. I was thinking about that. I was back here in bed. You know, we were supposed to, like, call time was an hour beforehand. I know that people are thinking, why is she in bed, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but I'm just like, okay, they know me, they trust me, they know I'm not like sleeping, they know, so it's just funny that it's like, as soon as I sat up, it was like, it was like a desk spread out all around me and I had to be calling people, because, you know, oh, that's the other thing is it's like, everybody does the text messaging and, uh, which is great, but when you're trying to make a movie and you have five people sending you messages, like you can't do this, you know, like, like my rule is everybody has to call me. If you want something, call me, call me. Cause it's like, you can get it done really fast. But instead I'm supposed to be doing this all day. And I'm sorry, I can't, but if I, if I have a phone in my hand, I can be like looking at stuff and doing stuff, but this, no, no. And I can't type out words like, no, I, I can't do that. And um, <laughs> so there's that. And then they text message you anyway. And so you're texting and calling and you know, it's, ugh. and uh, then then post-production starts. And that's the other half of it. So you know yeah. all about that. You're an editor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then there's that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the whole other thing. It's, it's funny because I'm really happy that this happens, but as soon as we stop production on a film, I immediately start getting messages on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter going, okay, when's it coming out? <laughs> like, they're like, okay, you finished. So when's it coming out? Like, <laughs> No guys, this is going to be another year. <laughs> of my life <laughs> like it's gonna be another year of my life uh, in post-production in a, in a dark room I think it I think it really goes to show just how much really goes into creating you know an independent feature like this you know because you do have to wear all of those hats and there is so much that you have to do that most people who aren't in the production world don't understand and so they see something come out and you know they can find it, you know, on the internet, on crime or wherever. Yeah. And they just, they don't know how much really goes <laughs> into something like that. And, you know, it's hard trying to find a platform in the first place, but then, you know, to get people to invest their time into it, you know, it's really just passion that is really at the end of, you know, just pushing oh, yeah. yourself and getting people who are passionate about the same thing to, you know, be a part of that, to try and create that type of magic. And sure. I think yeah. the best tip that you gave is to take breaks, you know, because oh gosh, you can't bring yourself out. It's a marathon creating something like Dagger Kiss and Shane Forest. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for saying that. I feel so acknowledged. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, I know one thing that I really wanted to ask because a lot of people don't really understand how to get a film, you know, onto a platform, mm -hmm. you know, and so we were able to rent and, in, you know, um, provide funds to watch it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And of course, people do have some ethical issues with Amazon, so it can be hard to find a lot of independent queer content where you're still able to, you know, provide, you know, any type of financial compensation to the artists behind it, you know, when they are going to, you know, upload it, you know? And so one of the biggest issues with that is either deciding to put it on a platform for anyone 
or allow people to rent it, purchase it, and you know, try and make a profit out of all of that hard work that you've done. And you know, I've just been really curious about the hurdles that you face, the challenges with distribution. You know, what's it like trying to get your content on a platform like Amazon? Well, it's not been easy. I think a lot of, I feel like these companies, I'm not talking about Amazon, but I, I feel like a lot of these companies um, sort of they're, they're run by people with good intentions, but then they hire people underneath them to review this content who are very homophobic. Mm -hmm. Can be, some of them aren't, but they just kind of hire people. Hey, you review content, you know, we'll pay you minimum wage, review content. Of course, a lot of these people are going to be homophobic, have a problem with lesbophobic too. That's a, that's a big one. People are like, why is lesbophobia such a thing? I was like, because you take homophobia, you take hatred of women, you put them together. And oh, that's, that's a huge thing. Yeah. So a lot of people are, especially like a lot of people, I think, I like, I think a lot of women are like, oh, I love gay people. And then they see like two women making out on camera. They go, oh, that's, that's sexual. That's sexual. I think that's the, that's the thing is that I've, I've been sexualized um, just, just by virtue of being, you know, a lesbian, like, uh, mm -hmm. like people will see like two girls kissing and they go, oh, that's dirty. That's, mm -hmm. that's pornographic. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, not, <laughs> it's just mm -hmm. like, you know, somebody was like, so it was talking about girl, girl scene. And they're like, oh yeah, that was a naughty movie. And I was like, you know, how so? Yeah. Like, and they're like, well, you know, it was naughty. You were doing stuff. I was like, what, really what I do? What yeah. I do? I was like, well, you're doing all these love scenes. I was like, mm, tell me about them. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it was only like, it was like, it's all pretty tame. It's like stuff you'd see after 10 PM, you know, at night on, on network television. And, but instead people were like, oh, it's just, this naughty kind of sexual stuff so i feel like people see it can be a really sweet scene two girls kissing nothing sexual about it and people go oh that's a dirty movie you're making that's been my biggest struggle is people getting confused and thinking what i'm doing is somehow oh look, there's nothing wrong with pornography i'm not knocking it i don't make pornography i don't i i make clean movies that are pg-13 and i'm proud of that and this has just been my biggest hurdle through all of it is these people sort of lower level people who uh, flag content and say, this can't be on here. And I mean, YouTube has been great to me, but I can't put up a video where like a girl kisses another girl's neck on the neck. Hmm. Like it can be fully dressed, but if they get a kiss on the neck, can't I, it, it'll get taken down. If yeah. I put a video where like fully dressed ladies are like kind of reclining past this point, fully dressed, like in a bed and maybe about to kiss that, that that can't be on there either now i mean if you took it to like the president of youtube they'd be like oh this is fine there's nothing wrong here but i feel like these people that like flag content as being mm -hmm. obscene when it's just not it's just pretty tame so that's my that's yeah i mean if you're asking what's like that's been my biggest issue is people being very um just dismissive of it as this other thing and i hate that and actually i feel like that's gotten worse in 10 years uh I feel like when I started, people were very much like, oh yeah, we want to be on board with gay rights and all this stuff. We want to be in on this. But then mm -hmm. I feel like uh, it, the, it was like lesbian stuff got sexualized. So it was like mm -hmm. uh, GBL, GBT, you know, mm -hmm. like all the, all the letters, like L just got kind of like, oh no, we're going to pull women out and we're going to make them an erotic thing. And I'm like, it's, it's, it's been really frustrating for me because um, like I said, it started out, I could put stuff anywhere and people were like, hey, yeah, like straight people were like feeling good about themselves. Hey, we've got this on our network. And then over time it's become that, 
eh, they're like, oh, it's lesbian. Eh, that's dirty. That's dirty. Really, the issue that we're getting at is the sexualization of women mm -hmm. and, you know, just the sexism that is run rampant throughout, you know, every facet of society. And I think that has a huge push and huge impetus behind why um, content with queer women is censored more because it's more in line with what people view as pornography mm -hmm. because that is what a lot of fetish for men is. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's really what is causing a lot of those issues. And yeah. so the, the main issue that you're having is, you know, trying to keep your content out there because there are people who are trying to censor it, even though you know, we've seen Dagger Kiss Enchanted Forest and we've been watching the content and we're like, there's nothing that is, you know, pornographic in it, you know? There isn't even a line between erotic art and pornography in it, you know? It's, right. it's, way, it's way before that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, I was just going to go into, you know, the history, at least with, um, with queer women and with lesbian, it's, uh, specifically, we've always been... Uh, we either been invisible because back then like uh, homosexuality was seen more uh, when it was referred to more just a gay man right and yeah, that's yeah. you can see that with a lot of uh you know uh, laws back then where it's only specified with men and you know I was reading this thing for one of the pieces I was doing about how like back then like uh, th that's why women impersonators as well they weren't taken seriously as queer women because it's like oh it's just another woman who's like playing part of the in within the male fantasy and so that's why lesbians don't exist and they only exist in this realm of to be fetishized to be sexualized for that male fantasy and I can just imagine how much how hard it is to be you know a queer creator and to be talking to be showing queer women on the screen and to constantly be getting these homophobic misogynistic sexist comments um that isn't just what that isn't what your content and art's about. And, you know, that's really tied into, sadly, and I agree, I think it's more, um, I think it's heightened today, this backlash um, towards yeah. uh, queer women in media. I definitely do see it's heightened because um, I definitely agree with that. And yeah, I just want to say that's really tied into our history of queer women being fetishized for men, you know, and which is why it's so important for you know, creators like you, Taki, to um, be making content, to be having content, to be given a platform because women, uh, queer women need to be reclaiming this scene and creating art that represents them and takes it away from the male fantasy, from that male gaze. Yeah. Oh, you've said it perfectly. I don't know what else to say. I feel like you're speaking into my heart. I mean, I can't say this hasn't been extraordinarily difficult. I, I come into these things, I'm always like, keep it light, keep it light, you know, like don't get heavy. If you want to get heavy, that's fine, but it's. I will say that. I mean, it's it's definitely caused. I would say some post traumatic stress. Yeah. I mean, in my life, just the. I think the hate, just the, the incomprehensible levels of hate I've received, just because they view it as an erotic thing. And I think that's something that you know we have to really deal with within the queer community because, um, a lot of how we're portrayed in media is based off of our sexuality. And so we really have to change the narratives of what we're putting out there, like with what you're putting out there, because, you know, people tie the content to the queer community based on sex, because that's the best way to show someone's sexuality is to show it through, you know, intimacy and sex scenes. Yeah, that's so true. 
God. And it's like, you know, that's that's important to show. And there's no reason not to have that because that shouldn't be censored. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that is what people, that's what they're used to. And so what we're, you know, what we're trying to do, what a lot of content creators like you out there are trying to do is create content that doesn't fall back on displaying sexuality in that way, you know, because you're just putting queer characters into storylines that don't require that proof of sexuality, but yet you still deal with censorship regardless. Okay, I think another thing is that um, uh, gay sexuality is neutered somewhat. Like, I love Modern Family. Like, I think I even know a writer on Modern Family. I'm not sure. I may. (laughs) I don't know. But I really like that show a lot, right? But the guys were just completely asexual. And I know that they would probably disagree with that. Say, oh, they're always making sex jokes and stuff. But they were really kind of neuter. Like, they they just weren't, I don't know. They didn't have, like, they weren't, you know, like, like the way that, like, they weren't portrayed the way, like, you know, so Sofia Vergara is all voluptuous and stuff. And the other lady on there, she's sexy too. And then you get to the guys and they're not, they're just kind of like dudes, uh, you know? So I, I just feel like even when they say that it's become mainstream and accepted, but as soon as it becomes sexual, it's like, oh wait, we're not so cool with this. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I've okay. not made a film with uh, gay men, but I would imagine it would be it wouldn't it, that I would run into the same homophobia issue, but I wouldn't run into the issue where people go, oh, this is pornography. Ugh. And they, they eroticize, they sexualize it. I don't think they would sexualize men. I mean, they might, they, it might stand out more if you're, if you're biased that way, you might be like, oh, this is freaky. It's guys doing it, but you're not going to be like, no, like if people look at what I do and they think that I'm making it for men, and I'm like, no, like actually the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have it? Did you watch it? That's just it. They don't watch it. It's like, did you watch it? Like it's for, first off, it's for everybody to watch. My audience is about 50, 50, male, female. It's, it's, you know, people are like surprised. They're like, I didn't know so many men watched your show. Like a lot of girls that men watch your show. I'm like, of course they do. It's a show for everybody. I want everybody to like it. But I feel like, uh, these sort of these homophobic people see it and they they think that i it just doesn't even occur to them that like there would need there would be a need for uh, women to make content about women so it's like oh it's got to be a like a porno thing yeah i think you know you know i just thought about how the reason why people you know might not really I guess, get into what you're creating because you're not sexualizing the female characters in your content. And so that's why there may be some backlash because there are men who are looking for that to fetishize the content that you're putting out there. But you're oh, not yeah, that was the whole that thing. Yeah. That was a whole episode in my life where uh, they, these guys, uh, I'm not gonna say what they are, but starts with an I. And they live in their their parents' basements and they do horrible things. Uh, but it begins with an I, it's two syllables, that's what they are. Uh, they're dangerous, they're violent, they're they literally are a danger to this country. But they banded together against me somehow. They organized against me uh, to have my movie taken down off Amazon. So they they posted all this really horrible stuff and they would give it like one star. What they, they would say, I didn't watch them giving it one star because um, you know, you know, the horrible stuff. I'll just say horrible stuff. And uh, 
they so they actually so they gave it one star on Amazon and on IMDb and uh, it actually backfired on them because I made a, a big thing out of it. But um, it still happened to me. So even though it backfired on them, I still had the trauma of being kind of like hunted down by this hate group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not fun. Okay, to have a hate group zero in on you, that super sucks. I can't emphasize that enough. It's just horrible. It's sickening. And, and then like, I didn't know that Amazon was going to take it back. I, I didn't know. And uh, so for a while there, I was, I thought that maybe these hate mongers had won. And um, so, okay. Like, yeah, everything is cool in the end. Everybody's nice in the end, but I still had to go through it. Like that, that's the thing, like any of these steps in progress, you're like, oh, but everything's okay now. And it's like, okay. Yeah. But a lot of people had to suffer to get to this place and, and we need to acknowledge that. So I, I know I'm applying, I'm applying this on a micro scale to me. The result of that is, is it causes this trauma and it makes me not wanna make gay stuff anymore just to have all these people come after you with such hatred. And it was sparked by the fact that they wanted, now why would you get on Amazon to watch a dirty movie and then complain? Like yeah. I have no problem on the internet in 30 seconds without even trying, I can find something pornographic, okay? Mm-hmm. So, why would you get on a family-friendly app and, and, and expect anything dirty, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know what they're complaining about. I mean, it's like, pick up your phone this high, go to any website, you'll find all the dirty pictures you want to see. But instead, they, they, they just, they just, there's a lot of hatred of women. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of hatred of women reclaiming their sexuality because women's mm-hmm. sexuality is supposed to belong to men. And then mm-hmm. there's super, super, super hatred of women being sexual and not having men involved in it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's another layer to this is people, another reason they sexualize it, they go, well, it has to be porno because they're doing it for the entertainment of men. And they, well, you think, why would you think that? It's because people cannot conceive of women having sexual autonomy mm-hmm. that doesn't involve a man. You yeah. know, they're just they're being sexual within themselves or two women being sexual and wait, there's not a man involved. That, like mm-hmm. people just cannot that's so horrifying to them that they're like oh, oh get that you know it, it just it doesn't even process that's so true. they see two women they're like okay where's the man wait there's no man so it must be that they're doing this so that men will watch it mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really disturbing uh that it's just you know we don't have our bodies we don't have our minds and now you know i'm finding out we can't even make our own tv shows <laughs> it's it's stuff like that that makes me so infuriating um because it's like yeah, uh, there's a situation that happened. I think 2014, what happened in the video game community. I don't know if you oh, heard about it yeah. with Anita yeah. Sarkeesian and the Gamergate scandal. And so it's just like what you were, uh, what you went through. Yeah, uh, it was also a similar to how you know it. Where you're trying to make a movie, you're trying to make content in a space that's been predominantly you know dominated by white cis men, right? And so it's mm-hmm. like trying to create content, just trying to get make content for queer women, for women. Um, you instantly already get hate just because um, somehow you're not uh, adhering to that ideology, adhering to, you know, somehow we're seen as a threat when we come into these spaces. And it's just, yes. sorry, like when you were talking about that, Anila was thinking about what happened to Anita Sarkeesian because she was stalked, she was hunted and like um, people went to her house. And it's just, it's, it's sad because it's like what you went through is what countless women creators are going through. Anytime they just want to break that, just to break that sphere that within this um, male dominated industry, yes. right? Yes. And it's so terrifying. And it's, 
and you know that's something that needs to be changed you know and it's like but is it changing now because like there is in a way in mainstream Hollywood there is this you know we are getting a lot of these great queer art right queer films but are we but has anything really been solved? Has anything really been changed? No, nothing's, nothing's changing. It's only getting worse. I think yeah. people are just telling themselves it's getting better. I think it's just a way for people, sorry, people with educations who've led more privileged lives mm-hmm. to pacify themselves and say, we're doing our part in making the world a better place. So mm-hmm. people like us, okay, yeah. But really like people who haven't had any advantages whatsoever, you know, have no ability to have critical thinking. They fucking hate gay people more than ever. I mean, if you're tuned into one of those three uh, networks that caters to a weird political ideology, like yeah. you really hate gay people. <laughs> like mm. you, do, I mean, help me out here with my words. Yeah, I mean, no, it's, it's, it's yeah. happening. Yeah, it's happening right now. Like we, you know, just covering about what's been happening within this month to the queer community, you know, with the, with the Pope um, at the Vatican, you know, saying how it's, same-sex marriage is a sin you know that's being researched and that you know that narrative is being researched and I mean yeah. it's always been there but again it's being reinforced by the pope um and then you know we have everything that's going on with uh anti-trans bills that are being um put in place you know it is you know I, I don't like saying his name but like you know Donald Trump ever since yeah. he came to office you know it really you know it really intensified all this hate once again it was already there it was was already there yeah it It was like this pimple and then he was the head yeah (laughs) Yeah. then it pops yeah yeah and it continues (laughs) yeah i think that's something that we're really seeing you know in the landscape of media today you know everything's a culture war of course but yeah. yeah but you know it's like in Hollywood, you know, we see all these stories of resilience, you know, of the Me Too movement of women saying, you know, we're not going to be taking Hollywood shit for any longer. But then we it doesn't have, work. yeah, and so people who are on the front lines, you know, that are trying to earn a place and well, not even earn a place, but carve a place out for themselves, you know, because nobody wants to see at that table. They want to create their own table. But the people who are on the front lines of that, people like you and a lot of other marginalized creators, creators of color, a lot of, um, you know, genderqueer and trans creators, you know, all of these creators, you know, who are trying to pave their way, they're not the ones that are, you know, seeing the improvements that are, you know, supposedly being made in, you know, on, on this media landscape because they're the ones who are facing, you know, having to do everything themselves, having to do all the work, just like what you're doing. And they're the ones who face the most backlash because they're not protected. Mm. Yeah. I it's, feel so acknowledged right now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, it's, something, it's something that I think we can all agree on that needs to change. And what we've seen is so much more performative and you know, really caters to people who are privileged by, you know, the industry so far and are privileged by, you know, where they enter it in already. So it's something that we hope to see really improve. I feel like, I feel like it's hard on me physically. Like, I feel like I've been fighting this battle since I was 15 years old. Right. And you, you know, it's, it just feels like it gets harder 
and I, I want to see it, it doesn't get easier but like the thing is with enough time like you start to break down like physically like I've I've, I've just I like I psychically was like starting to break down from all the hate coming my way and so I said no I'm going to keep fighting this stuff and then physically I started breaking down then so it's it's such a difficult battle um <sighs> Yeah, I, yeah, I, we can't solve it, but we're talking about it, right? And exactly. I think, I think like a lot of people listening to this, because a lot of people are, are going to watch this, they're going to be like, "What? <laughs> what? This makes me unhappy to hear about." <laughs> you know, straight but, but people and stuff are going to watch. Be like, "Wait, this is happening? This makes me sad." Like, <laughs> yeah, but, but then they're going to know about it, <laughs> and um, it's. Uh, ah, yeah I, I uh, it's it's been hard for me my fans people who love me like uh they they they've seen this this change take its toll on me I want I want more people to uh not hate gay people so much I want more people at these I I guess I would say use your privilege if you have it so you do work anywhere and you do see any kind of hate going down like don't let it happen yeah. So I would say to like the people who work at the larger companies, I was talking about like Google and Amazon, like be the straight person who goes, oh yeah, this is bullshit. I'm going to send an email to somebody. This is bullshit. The content where the, 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 you know, the cute little girls were like, you know, you know, rubbing noses together, like little kisses, like that, that got labeled pornography. That's enough of that bullshit. I'm going to send an email. Like that's really all it takes straight straight dudes send an email <laughs> yeah <laughs> do one well, if you're hearing this do one thing man or if you see some kind of injustice it doesn't take that much you don't have to like you know light it you don't have to like start a whole thing just just don't let it slide right like okay maybe you can't change the world but you can't you actually can change the world by not letting things go we we see that creating content is really being able to show you know, our detractors, the people who, you know, downrank us and, you know, send us all of this hate, you know, creating that content, putting it out there is the best way to combat that. So I'm really curious. I know we're both curious what you have coming up next. Like, what are you working on right now? Well, there's a pandemic, so yeah. I can't, can't make a movie. I actually yeah. can make a movie, but that I don't advise it. Yeah. So I'm not, so right now I'm, uh, reworking some stuff I had like in the back catalog I'm reworking it sort of like so I can um have something new that, like something that like um there was this like little it was actually a web series I did I mean, eh, right a web series but I'm kind of putting it together into episodes and making it into something new it's something people completely forgot about but I have I'm working with this great guy Mark Holmberg and he can just edit it together into something new so that's something new I'm working on and just going back through the old stuff and I think trying to make it even better and then as soon as, as soon as I can, man, I'm going to start making movies again. <laughs> to leave it on a positive note, we're excited to see, you know, what you create next, you know, after yeah. getting over some hurdles with the current pandemic. But yeah, can't wait to see what you do. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much for this talk. It's really, like I said, it's been very therapeutic. Uh, nice to talk about this in such depth, um, sort of the psychotic nature of the way the culture is treating people like me lately but uh I, I really appreciate you having me on here to talk about it yeah we're happy to have you too so thank you so much 
Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Mwah. Mwah.